Hey guys, I'm Isabella. And this is Belly. And welcome back to this edition. <laughs> We're so excited to have you guys. So, what are we doing today, Belly? So, this is our part two um, of the history episode. And like we said in the last episode, we said that we would focus on mental health history on, in the black community. Mm-hmm. It's just like, y'all are going to see how different it is. Like, it's... It's so different. Mm-hmm. Both are terrible, but they're so different. Yes, so, they're very different. When we tried to combine our notes, it just got way too confusing. But before we get into it, just a disclaimer, as always, Belly and I are not historians, we're not anthropologists, we're not even Afro-Am majors, but this is just a topic that we really like, and we did want to shed some light into it because it's so not talked about. Like, Growing up, I didn't learn about anything about black history, let alone black mental health history. Yeah. So we definitely wanted to highlight that. Yeah, I literally learned about this, like, what, two weeks ago when I did the research? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Y'all gonna see why. Y'all gonna see why. I just want a reminder, Belly and I are both white, young women. We're not black. We can never say that we know the black experience. We don't. But it would be a disservice and a, a dishonor to them for us mm-hmm. to just ignore where they've gone, where they are now, and how their mental health is progressing, and Mm -hmm. things that we need to fix. Right. For sure. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, but before we start, how are you, Veli? I'm good. I'm good. Just ate some food, you know. (laughs) Hang out with our family. Um, If y'all didn't know, Bella and I date brothers. Yes. (laughs) That's why we just said that. Uh, Yeah. There it is. I date the middle brother. She Belly dates the younger brother. Yeah. Yep. It's great. It's they nice. they look they all look alike. They all start with the letter J. It's great. Yeah. It's very confusing. And Belly and I start both start with the letter I. Yep. So it's very confusing for the family too. But here we mm. are. It thriving. is what it is. Um but yeah, so Belly's real name isn't Belly. Yeah. Can you explain that, Belly? Because I got called out people saying that I use like the podcast name is a vision because of my name Isabella and that I want the show to be about me. But that's not the truth, Belly. Okay. Please explain. So my name, my full name is Isabelli. But because it's spelled with an E in the end, like in the US, it's pronounced Isabel. But in Brazil, it's pronounced Isabelli. Mm-hmm. So whenever people read my name, like they read it as Isabel. And so I try avoiding that by just introducing myself as Belly. Like, I'll introduce myself to my boss as Belly, my mm-hmm. teachers, like, yeah. Yeah. And there you have it, folks. The show yeah. is not all about me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but let's get to it. So like we like we did last week, Belly's going to take the, like, super past, and I'm going to take, like, from the 1950s on to the future. So I'm going to start off in 1848, John Galt, which was a physician and medical director of Eastern Lunatic Asylum in Williamsburg, Virginia. He offered that blacks are immune to mental illness. So I, I don't know. Immune. That's a, that's a strong word. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't really, doesn't really make sense, especially the further we learn more about the history his stance on black mental health is obviously completely wrong, but go right. on. So so this is what he hypothesized. He hypothesized that enslaved Africans could not develop mental illness because as enslaved people, they did not own property, engage in commerce, or participate in civil affairs such as voting or holding office. So basically you don't have any problems if you don't own anything. You ha- if you don't have any rights, you know, <laughs> you can't have rights to even your emotions, so... Very interesting. 
And he also wrote that many enslaved suffered from abnormal behaviors, including negritude. Did I say negritude. that? Negritude. Negritude. <laughs> Here I come again with my <laughs> mispronunciation. <laughs> Which he described as the irrational desire by blacks to become white. And let me just say that internalized racism is a thing right. where you can, like, want to be, like, your oppressor. That's, like, an actual term that I'm studying now for an exam. Anyway, <laughs> but naming it niggertude, saying that it was an irrational desire is so wrong. And, like, mm-hmm. who are you to say that black people wanted to be, like, white people, like, their oppressor? And it makes me so upset because, like, this man is a physician like mm-hmm. you would you just expect more you would expect so much more and you'd be surprised like how how it's in some ways like it's kids still very much applied in today oh yeah medical in racism med- such a thing it's and it's like you wouldn't expect that because you are literally trying to treat people you're trying to mm-hmm. help them like you <sighs> and like we we just focus on the um, mental health history like if we wanted mm-hmm. to do like O- like OBGYN, like the terrible things that they mm-hmm. did to black women or the Tuskegee syphilis um, study oh, where yeah. they took mm-hmm. black men who had, or they had syphilis or they gave them syphilis. Mm-hmm. They had the cure to syphilis and they didn't give it to them mm-hmm. just so they can study the end of their lives. Like, yep. And that's yep. just, and there's also even in present day, the glomerular fl- filtration rate that you can do like a, a black setting or an African-American setting and that messes up the test. So, like, you what either have to be really bad, you have to have a really bad glomerular filtration rate for it to pick up. But that's not the only thing. There's also this barometer, which is, like, a device that tests your respiratory rate. Or, like, not your respiratory rate, but, like, how well your breathing is. Fact check me on that. But I know, I do know for a fact that the spirometer, the machine, has a race setting where you can adjust it to somebody's race. Crazy. And, I mean, I'm going to get into this later, but race is a social construct. There is no biological difference between black people and white people it's only skin deep what is different is the oppression which causes them to have worse health outcomes but i digress because at the end we're gonna i'm gonna really get into the nitty-gritty of that (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. all right so other antebellum medical researchers promoted conditions such as drapetomania a disease that caused enslaved black people to flee their plantations or Bella, <laughs> say it. Dysthesia Ethiopia. Did I say that right? I think that's how I would say it. Well, in, in our defense, it is a Latin term. Yeah. But what matters is a definition. Right, which is, which is a disease that purportedly caused a state of dullness and lethargy, which would now be considered depression. So let's just pause and reflect on that. Medical professionals who had a bunch of power made it seem like black people wanting to flee slavery is a disease. Right. So they used that to oppress Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And then if they were having regular human emotions, depression, another reason to -hmm. discredit them and say, that's just a disease that's special to you. The fact that they had to like make a whole other diagnosis for, for the same, like the same symptoms, Mm -hmm. just because they're like, just Just because of their, just, because they're darker. Just, yeah. Okay, anyways, so Dr. Samuel Cartwright, a pro-slavery physician who Another worked... Not, disappointed, but not surprised. Honestly. So a pro-slavery physician who worked with enslaved people in Louisiana argued that severe whipping was a typical best treatment for both conditions. 
So for wanting to flee and, and depression. depression. And so Cartwright and others often reported that dreptomania and dysthesia <laughs> Ethiopia. Yep. Were often accompanied by skin lesions, which historians now argue were most likely scars from whipping. So they claim that whippings were symptoms from the mm-hmm. two conditions, the first being that um, it's a disease if black people wanted to flee and then it's depression is a disease. So they thought that the whippings were the symptoms, but clearly they're the ones that's causing the, the They're the people. ones who did it. They're the ones who did it. Like, I'm just baffled by these so-called physicians who, again, had so much power and they would say that the whippings are, sim- like, or the scars are symptoms when clearly they're the ones that caused the, the whippings to happen. Right. It just, just magically appeared. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just chemically, some Nothing scars wrong. on their back. Nothing Ridiculous. Big. Yep. So... Apparently, mental health experts believed that a housing blacks and whites in the same facilities would detrimentally affect the healing of whites. And so, blacks were often housed outdoors near these institutions or in local jails. And there were accounts of some child slaves being cared for in the yards of the asylums. And most of these facilities were run without government funding or oversight. And inmates, as the children were called, were regularly misdiagnosed and wrongly accused of crimes, extending their stay in these institutions and exposing them to additional mistreatment by authorities. And I put a little note next to this one Mm -hmm. because it really did remind me of the Central Park Five. And I only say that because, I mean, if you guys don't know, I mean, I feel like at this point... I feel like everybody knows, but yes. (laughs) Give a little overview. Basically, these five boys, they were put in jail because they were walking in the park and at the same time that this other guy raped and almost killed this woman, a, mm-hmm. a, a jogger. And, oh man, like you guys should, if, if you guys don't want to read articles about it, like there's a documentary about it. An amazing documentary it's, uh, about y'all, it. Y'all, I cried for four hours. But, but long story short, the Central Park Five, they got put into jail and I think one of them went to Rikers which is one of the worst jails in America. The oldest one. The oldest one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they served time for a, com- a crime that they did not commit. Mm-hmm. And the documentary is really great because it shows like how they were coerced into signing mm-hmm. these statements. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I totally see the connection that you're making with the <laughs> kids getting wrongly accused of crimes and then getting exposed to additional mistreatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For something they didn't do. So... In 1895, Dr. T.O. Powell, the superintendent of the Georgia Lunatic Asylum, observed an alarming increase in insanity and consumption, which was tuberculosis, among blacks in his state, which he attributed to three decades of freedom. So tuberculosis. So now, a risk factor for tuberculosis is being free. Right. Okay. I'm just appalled. Like I cannot say this enough. I'm appalled by these physicians and as a future physician myself like i see especially now that i'm learning i see why mm-hmm. the black community is scared of going to hospitals why they mm-hmm. don't want to be treated by white people mm-hmm. it makes sense like how can you blame them and and something so i'm taking um afroam right now and it's crazy because like my ta was like you know, slavery, the, the trauma that you carry, it, do, it doesn't end. Mm-hmm. It's it's carried by generation, and, it, and it's the same intensity. Like, mm-hmm. the, whether, 
you know, they before freedom or quote unquote after, it's it's still that same trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's so upsetting that it's still carried till today. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's not like it's over. Yeah, I mean, ugh. so. Paolo oh, Ar- by the way, just oh, oh, time yeah. out, time Go out. Ahead. Back to Central Park Five. Oh, oh. I think there's a very important thing that we missed out. Mm. Our current president called for the death penalty for all <gasps> yes. the five boys. Yes, and he invested how much? Like millions. Yeah, he put in. He put out ads. Yep. Ads. Sorry, I just had to take that. Um, we have to think about that. We're one. not. I mean, this episode's not trying to be political, but it is an important I, I fact. Like, yeah, I feel like at this point, I. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Sorry, Billy, I just had to add that in, but yeah, continue on. Yeah, okay, so Powell argued that when the former slaves got their freedom, it caused them to have little or no control over their appetites and passions, and thus led to excessive and vices, which in turn generated a rise in insanity. So he didn't factor in the socioeconomic conditions, including poverty, racial discrimination, and the ever-looming specter of violence, which the lynchings reached a high point in the ni- uh, 1890s and 1920s period. Mm-hmm. So that's like all too similar to what happens now. Mm-hmm. Like, th- nobody factors in worse health outcomes because of systematic issues. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. especially looking back now with the lynchings, like it totally makes sense yeah. why the spook group of people would have worse mental health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Like they're being a- attacked for no reason. People. For lynchings, they would say that it was because they were raping white women, but that has been disproven time and time and again. And most black men, or almost all black men that were lynched, were because they were reaching higher economic status when compared to white men, and then Mm -hmm. the white men felt um, attacked, and then they lynched them. Like, crazy. Like, what? And and then they say it's because they were freed slaves. That's why they got. And if we even compare that to today... Mm-hmm. Like the excuses. Mm-hmm. Oh well, you know he's a drug addict. You know he's this. He's a... what? Okay, all right. You know I'm a, I'm not I'm not gonna make political no more. <laughs> I will throw that out the window. I will get political. All right, let's continue. Y'all gonna be shook about this one because I was when I was researching this, I was really shook. Yeah. All right. So now we're gonna hop into the 1930s. Eugenics was very popular around that time, and if for people who don't know. Um, eugenics was based on two parallel principles. One, the encouragement of births among people who were considered good genetic stock. And two, the sterilization of people deemed unfit for reproduction, including individuals with mental illness, those who were poor, and those accused, uh, accused of sexual promiscuity and sexual criminality. <sighs> and that's just what eugenics is. Now we're going to get into right. how that plays into <clears throat> black mental health history. Right. So... Sterilization in the U.S. quickly focused on African Americans. And in California alone, in the 1930s, African Americans who um, comprised 1% of the population made up 4% of the victims of legal sterilization. Think about that. Like, (sighs) okay. So eventually, 18 states... Um, passed laws allowing for the widespread sterilization of the institutionalized, including many who were black, misdiagnosed, and falsely accused of crimes. And just a reminder, institutionalized means those that were in an institution because of their um, mental health diagnoses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And although sterilization, this is the part, y'all, get ready. 
Although sterilization lost some of its appeal when it was discovered by Nazi Germany, they embraced the practice on a wide scale. So, no, just no, a pause one second. Y'all. America, the greatest country in the world. Inspired. Inspired the Nazis. They just sprinkled the idea. Just wait, y'all. It gets worse. It gets worse. And and by the 1970s, some states in the South, including notably North Carolina and Alabama, still sterilized disproportionate numbers of black women who were declared by courts to be mentally defective. In North Carolina in the 1960s, for example, more than 85% of those legally sterilized were black women. I can guarantee y'all. Those were not consensual sterilizations. Oh, no way. Because if they're deeming them mentally defective, quote-unquote, they can totally deem that they're not able to make decisions for their health on their own, thus re- thus removing their ovaries, removing their mm-hmm, uterus, mm-hmm. without their consent. Mm-hmm. How- 1970s. My mom was born in 1971. Imagine. Like. Crazy. Our grandparents were alive. Mm-hmm. This, we, we think that that's so long ago, but that... It's- it's not. It's not. It's not at all. <laughs> and this isn't like old news either. This is happening in ICE detention centers where women are getting hysterectomies without their consent. Mm-hmm. And I know, obviously, me belly being Latina, we like want to obviously talk about immigration because of being a lot of Latinx people. But also, there's a lot of Black people that are in ICE detentions, and they're getting hysterectomies without their consent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so and even and even when it's not consensual, it's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Like. Or it's not explained correctly. Like, like they'll sign and say yes, I I'll accept this, but it's not explained correctly. It's not either right. in um, Creole or in Spanish, so it's not. Ex- I'm just it- <laughs> okay. So let let's go back to uh, Nazi Germany. Yes, Let, let's go back to that. So a little fun fact: American eugenics was most popular in the early 20th century. During the same period, when Nazi Germany was obsessed with creating a master race. And the Nazis actually took inspiration from discriminatory U.S. laws, a.k.a. Jim Crow era laws. And so think about that. We inspired. Not me, not me. I don't claim that. (laughs) U.S. (laughs) They inspired a genocide. Wow. Like, and you, I never learned this before why? looking this up. Why have not, why have makes, not learned they, that? They make it seem like there was no connection between yeah, like, oh, Germany and America. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was known for sure because the U.S. ended sterilization once Germany started adopting that, mm. you know? Well, like ended, ado- quote-unquote. Right. Legally. And so, now that y'all have thought about it, pondered you know, really contemplated life. <laughs> it, is a, it, it gets a little better, but not by much. Right. So I'm going to hand it over to Bella. And we're going to get into it. All right. So <laughs> from the 1930s to the 1960s, African-Americans were victimized by psychosurgery, the lobotomy. So like I said, we talked about last week, mm-hmm. it was not only <laughs> black people that obviously experienced the lobotomy, but lobotomies were tested and used on black children y'all oh my god imagine like a child yeah a child i don't even 
think we can comprehend it. I, I can't. I, I will probably think about it at night. Yeah, like it, a child. Mm-hmm. Lobotomies, y- y'all. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna just shut up. So, <laughs> Dr. Frank Urban, a psychiatrist, and doctors Vernon Mark and William Sweet who were both neurosurgeons, they argued that the violence that occurred in the 1960s were due to a surgically treatable brain disorder. And that's where the lobotomies come in. They wanted Mm -hmm. to treat this supposedly brain disorder so that the violence can decrease. But most historians and social scientists debunk their theories. And they say that the violence was due to systematic oppression poverty discrimination and police brutality so right um too much of a connection to what's happening now a little a little too much and, Where, and this was what the, 1960s uh so like so we the violence that. in the cities you know it's the black lives matter movement but look at the root cause right the police brutality the systematic racism and I mean, I systemic think, racism sorry yeah um and i it's it's crazy because so many people have not been exposed to that mm-hmm. and or that ideology that that yeah right the ideology and so they just they're like like racism is not included in our system like it's not implicated in it and it's like well think about it mm-hmm. you know sit down and think about it i was never taught this mm-hmm. but the moment i sat down yeah i was like well goddamn <laughs> like god damn <laughs> it's crazy i mean i'm only laughing because there are people in our lives that still don't claim racism as mm-hmm. like a real thing they claim it as like a oh it happens here and there but they don't realize how the whole system is racist right you know I and how off. it's it disenfranchises <laughs> mm-hmm. the black community mm-hmm. but that like pretty much wraps up the like severe past about um black mental health history but i'm gonna get into some very important stats but before i start i want to define what a health disparity is so a health disparity is when a certain race exhibits a higher or lower percentage of something when compared to the majority of race or all races. So in this case, we're going to talk about health outcomes or bad health outcomes that the black community experiences at a way higher percentage than the majority race, which would be what the white race. Or when we lump all the races together, it still experiences the worst health outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, and can I just say, yeah, I feel like a very big argument that I see is, well, you know, there, there are black doctors. Oh, you know, there are black health, healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And, and so what do you have to say about that? Well, it's not, it's not going to fix it because the root cause of bad health outcomes in the black community is sy- systemic racism, mm-hmm. discrimination, uh, police brutality like imagine you can't even sit in your car in your driveway in peace without a police officer knocking on your window and asking what like what are you doing the the stress levels of that mm-hmm. that impacts your your it's like the trauma it impacts your dna it changes your epigenetics mm-hmm. so fixing healthcare is not going to fix everything right health is not going to fix the police the police system it's not going to fix who can have the job who who gets the loans to live in a certain area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean... And, and there's just so much to it. Like, I feel like the the excuse that people make saying, oh, well, you know, there are black police officers, there are black healthcare workers, there are black doctors. That That is just... Them saying that is just forming an excuse. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost as if 
they're in denial. Yeah, you know? as if those people can't play into medical racism, police brutality, as if. Right, and it's just kind of like a mask. Before, um, in the beginning, when I was going on my rant about race being a social construct, let me just say it again very clearly. Race is a social construct without any biological foundation. No race is biologically different from the other, which means that skin color cannot be a reason why black people have worse health outcomes. Mm -hmm. You cannot say that black people are more likely to commit suicide or get depressed or get postpartum depression because of being black. That is not a thing. Mm -hmm. Although race is important, like we're talking about today, race is extremely important because of racism, because of discrimination. But there's no biological foundation that we can say that white people are the better race because they have better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. That's when we have to get to the root of the problem, which is the trauma of right. being from from a, from an enslaved population. Mm -hmm. The the everyday stress mm -hmm. of the fear, the fear of, mm -hmm. of obviously the police and other things, but the fear of the discrimination that you live on a day to day life. And imagine even you know like picking a career mm -hmm. there it's just like i i can't even try to picture it mm -hmm. you grow up in a in, in like this this fearful world like this this way you're like oh i have to comply i have to comply mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not speaking for myself i'm speaking you know from from what i've learned from other mm -hmm. people's experiences and it's it's so upsetting mm -hmm. i can't like and it, also, there's the wealth inequality. Mm -hmm. um, and I've learned in many of my classes that the more wealth inequality, the, the less, the worse health outcomes, which means like America is a very rich country. But if mm -hmm. you look at the wealth distribution, there is a 1% and then there's the not 1%. And that distribution, that inequality causes worse health outcomes. And you look at different countries... I think Vietnam, I, I have to check that, uh, Vietnam or New Zealand, where it's more socialized, the wealth is better distributed and people have better health outcomes. And guess what? They spend less on healthcare. America spends the most on healthcare, but we have the worst health outcomes overall, not even just the mm -hmm. black community, overall. As you can see, it's a very complicated situation. And we say all this, like, his, like the, these facts, it's because it plays into... The mental health of the black community so now getting into some stats which um we're almost done guys just hang in there so black <laughs> children ages 5 to 12 have the highest suicide rates that is so young that 5 to 12 i mean but i yeah so okay Talking about postpartum depression, 40% of black women experience postpartum depression while it only affects 20% of all races. This all. is, again... All, yes, all, races. all races. It's not just white yes, race. it's all races. Right. And that's another health disparity, which, unfortunately, the black community faces. Mm -hmm. Although the rates of depression are lower in the black community, the black and Hispanic community, when compared to whites, depression in the black and the Hispanic community is more likely to be persistent. And I can only attribute that to the difficulty of getting a provider, difficulty of finding a black therapist. Like, obviously, black people can see white therapists. Right. But you want to go with who you're comfortable with. Or at least that's my understanding. Right. From my friends in social media. And finding a provider that will 
actually prescribe you your medication because I've heard of some that will avoid prescribing medication to black people just because of the stigma or like mm-hmm. discrimination because of racism. Um, so yeah, mental health problems are common among people in the criminal justice system, which is disproportionately represented by racial and ethnic minorities. So those are some, only a few of the current stats for black mental health history. Um, because if we were to add all of them, we would be here until tomorrow. That pretty much sums up our history Yes. Episode. Yes. Um, and next week we will be doing a true crime. Yes, this is Billy's favorite. We're still we're still researching it. Yeah. Um, but y'all, I love it. I love learning about this mm-hmm. stuff. I think you guys are gonna enjoy it, especially if you like serial killer type no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you like documentaries yeah, about yeah. serial killers. I already, have, I already have an idea what to talk about. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Stay tuned for that. Yes. And please follow our Instagram at isavision underscore. Please like our posts. Rate and if you our feel, podcast. And if you feel a heart, like, write a little comment. In write there. a little review. On- and please, 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 you know, if there are any suggestions, any commentary, any constructive, constructive criticism. Nice-ish. <laughs> um, <laughs> Please tell us. Please reach out to us. Um, we're here. We're learning. And, yes. you know, we want to, like, obviously we want to learn, but we also want you guys to learn with us and mm-hmm. we want you guys to enjoy it just mm-hmm. as much as we are. So this, anything that we can yeah. do, please this let is us Belly, know. and I's first podcast. This is the first season of many, hopefully many, many seasons. So mm-hmm. forgive, keep forgiving any mistakes. <laughs> but, all right. Yeah. See you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.